I never really know what I'm going to say. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's hit it. Hi, I'm Gabby. I'm a senior library assistant. My pronouns are she, her, and the cold case I'd like solved is the identity of Jack the Ripper. I'm Amanda. I'm a children's librarian. I use she, her pronouns, and the cold case or cases I'd like answered are any of the missing and indigenous women. I'm Brittany, and I'm a library services supervisor, and I use she, her pronouns. And the cold case I'd like answered is the murder of John Bonet Ramsey. And this is the Ask Us Desk. We are the Ask Us Desk. We are library professionals who are here to answer your questions about libraries, librarians, books, reading, and anything like that. You can reach us at askuspod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at askuspod. We are also doing a reading challenge called the Ask Us Reading Challenge, and we have several different prompts for you to find books um, that maybe kind of expand your reading horizons, or if you have favorites, so you can just use those for the prompts as well. In each of our episodes, we're giving you recommendations for the reading challenge, and this episode, we are talking about true crime novels, or true crime nonfiction, actually, not novels. So how's everyone doing? Happy Earth Day. (laughs) Yes, we are recording this on Earth Day. The Earth is on fire. (laughs) This is not a good present. (laughs) No, I mean, just we had nice weather this last week in Seattle. And I heard uh, one of my coworkers say that there were 40, 40 forest fires in that week in Washington state. Um, and I'm like, oh, this sounds like summer is going to be so fun. <laughs> wow. Because last year in uh, Washington and all, I guess, all of the West Coast basically was on fire and there was smoke and smog and I had trouble breathing and sleeping even inside our, our home because our, um, yeah, we, we just don't, we didn't have air filtration system that was good enough, I guess. So I was like, oh, yay, I get to go to work because at work, at least they have a air filtration system so I can breathe air that doesn't make me want to hack up my lungs. God. So hopefully that doesn't happen again this year. That's terrifying. Yeah. What is going on in Texas weather-wise? It's unseasonably cold right now. I am liking. Oh, yeah. This is great. Oh, yeah. I see you're wearing a sweatshirt. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I'm terrified though because summer is coming. Yeah, I hate. And that. I'm really afraid that this cold weather just means it's going to be literal hell in about three weeks. So that's all of every Texas summer ever. <laughs> Satan's yeah. hole hot. <laughs> yeah, I've been away for a few years, and then I visited in August a few years Whoa. ago, and I stepped all out of the airport and was like, "What have I done?" <laughs> It's like in Arrested Development. I don't know if y'all ever watched that show, but um, when Michael, I guess he gets off the plane in Phoenix, Arizona, and he just goes, nope, and he turns right around to get back <laughs> on the plane to go back. I'm like, I wish. Yeah, I'm like, basically, that is how I felt. August is the worst time, I think, to be in Texas. It's yeah. like, the heat is so bad. It's the, the height of the summer. And by then, you're just so sick and tired of it. Like, I'm just in my house yeah. all the time. 
as much as I can be in the air conditioning. I have sort of a random question because I saw that, and this isn't necessarily going to make the podcast, but I'm just curious. Uh, I love Scarborough Fair. Do y'all yeah. ever go to Scarborough Fair? Yeah. I've never been, but I want to go. <gasps> Gabby has never been. I've never been. Okay, it is we're so in your wheelhouse. We have to plan a trip. We I would to love to go. I mean, it's just, come back, come back and we could do it. Like yes. A podcast oh yeah, my God, so that'd be so fun. It is, it, they're doing it this year. Uh-huh. which I was surprised I about. I saw on their website, uh, well, I guess I'm not super surprised because it's mostly outdoors. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's going to be at the end of April and in May. I think it's normally yeah. a little bit earlier than that in the year. Yeah, it's but... going on right now. Oh yeah, that's so awesome. I miss yeah. Scarborough Fair. Maybe that'll be have to, have to be something that I plan for next year. Yeah. Um, just because I love it. I'm very <laughs> tempted to go, but Joe and I went to the Dallas Arboretum like last month and they said that you know masks are required and they were doing timed entries all of it is a lie the whole place was packed and so many people weren't wearing masks when you were walking on the sidewalks it was just like you're having to like it's like a it's like a comic-con or something just swarms of people and you're trying to like push through and I can see um the the renaissance fair to being like that too say i yeah this may not be the year um that i i make that debut uh but yeah maybe next year for sure i would love to go um yeah um other than that uh i was at work the other day when they made the announcement that derek siobhan was guilty on all three counts and then i got text messages immediately from both of you (laughs) (laughs) Um, about how happy that made us um it was very devastating to hear about Micaiah Bryant like how that she was shot and killed by police only five minutes before that verdict came in so you know if we've peacefully taken in armed shooters that are white you know then why are we having such trouble with a teenager with a knife you know and it's just kind of like you can make each case individualized but you see you have to look at the larger picture at some point and say hey there's a corresponding issue happening here well and it's you know it's that double standard of you know as a young woman she was probably told to carry something for her protection to keep herself safe and to have that used against her in a fatal way is just devastating and it's it's just it's a reminder that Derek Chauvin was not the end um his conviction was necessary and right but it was not the end um it was accountability and that accountability must continue yeah it's messed up that I was not expecting him to be found guilty oh yeah messed up our system is that I was like wow okay that's good like it was a (laughs) really it was a relief and yes they saw that like the, the jury did good, but it was not relief in the fact that like Mandy brought up Micaiah Bryant immediately news is breaking about her being murdered by the police at the same time as Derek Chauvin is found guilty. But, and then it's like Dante Wright, you know, they the, the police officer accidentally, maybe it was truly accidental, who knows, um, shot, grabbed their gun instead of a taser, all of these things. And 
you're right there are white people there are so many videos of showing white people um arguing with the police resisting arrest all of these things and they do not have this genuine fear of the police like people of color do i want to cuss but i'll, I'll refrain this <laughs> is an up. explicit podcast you're allowed to cuss yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh but yeah um we need to do better i hope he gets the uh the full punishment i think they're saying like what in 40 years is probably the max that he'd be able to get for the because it's like third degree murder and then manslaughter there was three different charges for Derek Chauvin and um I don't even know if I'm saying his last name correctly yeah I was thinking like y'all are pronouncing it much better than I was I was like Chauvin like that's not (laughs) that's not a name that's like not a last name I mean not the first name that's a pretty common first name but yeah it's also not spelled the same at all so I'm not sure why I'm saying it that way you know I don't think he really deserves the respect of us digging into actually how to pronounce yeah. his name we all yeah. know who we mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it was a weird sense of relief but also there's so much more work to do so we also <sighs> wanted to talk about uh authors hating on people who don't give them five star goodreads reviews or whatever it's like oh four and a half that person is Whoa. scum. How dare they rate my book four and a half stars on Goodreads? I the, will... the audacity. Yeah, <laughs> the audacity. Um, so speaking of that author, her name is Lauren Huff. We I don't we cannot be get in trouble for naming her and talking about things that she did do. This is this all fa- these are all facts. There are um, receipts. There are receipts. Although she has tried deleting some of her tweets, apparently, but people have screenshots. Um, She deleted, I mean, sorry, she blocked me. I've never interacted with her ever. And she blocked me because I am friends with somebody that she did attack. Like she, she pays somebody to block. She's said this on her Twitter. She pays someone to go and block people for her. And, um, she went so far, I don't know if you, y'all are familiar with the author T.J. Clune. He's another kind of popular. He wrote The, um, the House in the Cerulean Sea. Oh, uh, yeah. He uh, tweeted about, uh, he didn't name names. He just said, there's some author that has over 60,000 followers. And she's, he named basically what she did. And he's like, authors, please do not do this. She found that. So she has, she, either she was looking for anything that was related to her in some way or people were telling her and she got so crazy that she was like saying blaming misogyny and everything for the reason why he was speaking up and he's like no <laughs> like he handled it very professionally and it made me want to read I have the house in the Cerulean Sea it's bumping up on my TBR um, <laughs> just because of how he handled the whole thing her never she's on my never reads list <laughs> I yeah I've never heard of her or any of her books before but it's just like yeah it kind of goes hand in hand with like that that saying if you can't handle the heat get out of the kitchen you know if you can't Mm. handle looking at bad reviews then don't yeah and and so yeah the reviews this debacle started with goodreads and I think this has been a conversation that's sort of been ongoing for a while it's like goodreads is for readers Mm -hmm. And especially in the case of Lauren, like, again, I go back to the audacity. 
to go off like this on four and a half star reviews mm-hmm. like what did you put in your pipe and smoke because <laughs> like like honey dial it down yeah honestly yeah it's like if you like, yeah and exactly like you said Amanda if you can't handle it like stay out of it it's not actually for you mm-hmm. it's a place for readers to come together and talk about what they liked or didn't like and uh, you know this is not your editor playing around in the sandbox like don't worry about it like and especially if your feelings are that hurt about a not five-star review I although I will say we got some really amazing memes on TikTok out of this really yes like people comparing like what their star ratings are based on like Parks and Rec quotes and Mm. the office quotes and it's hilarious um but yeah she she just not needed to just dial it way, way down. And yeah, to go so far as to like threaten she, I don't know that she personally did this, but I know a lot of her supporters then came around to rally around, you know, circling the wagons and what have you and like threatened to dox people, mm-hmm. tried doxing people um, incorrectly, thank God. But it's like, no, don't do that. Like over a book, like people let, let us not. But some of the stuff she has said is very problematic. Like she is compared, um, oh, yeah. people getting upset with her or telling her like, Hey, what it kind of what I said is like, what did you think people would do whenever you were acting this way? She's compared that to rape and sexual assault, which is problematic. Very. Um, it's not the same at all. And she's she made some joke about how her book is worse reviewed than the mind comp and she's like now i guess i can use this as a marketing thing and i'm like really do you (sighs) but yeah so she's a mess i am not telling anybody to not read her book i'm not saying that but if you do see things i'm sure she was trending on twitter and this is all lie and she like Gabby said, her followers did try to dox people that we personally know. There was some messed up and sketchy things for Lauren Hoff to even have been sharing because she had screenshot a tweet that our friend did and she had already blocked that person. And our person, our friend had blocked her back. So she either has an alternate account that was going to look at people that she blocked or she had some friends that were sending things and it's none of it's okay because like when you have a platform like that like you are in the spider-man situation like with great platform comes great responsibility and (laughs) i mean it's true and if you are mobilizing your followers especially at that level to harass people and to threaten them online that's not okay and you should honestly be in social media timeout. <laughs> so, do, oh, go ahead, Amanda. I was going to just ask if you're going to do the currently reading, but I think you're about oh, to yes. <laughs> what are y'all currently reading right now? So I'm currently reading Ice by Anna Cavan for my Classics of Science Fiction book club. Hmm. which I have a terrible track record with finishing the books ever, mostly because I don't finish books if I'm not like into it. And a lot of classic science fiction is racist and sexist Mm -hmm. or otherwise weird. 
Um, <laughs> which, you know, people are always like, you know, for the time, just think about it the time that it was written. And I'm like, okay, so it was a horrible time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make me want to read this book yeah. anymore. But yeah, this book is interesting because it is, I, the foreword at least seems to indicate that the author had an addiction with uh, a heroin addiction mm. uh, that she struggled with throughout her life. And so this book is kind of like in an allegory for that. It's sort of a, a, a fr fragmented and segmented and a, almost kind of like a stream of consciousness type story where it's hard to follow. But the basic plot is that there's this woman or young girl who is this item of desire for this man who's our main character and he's he keeps trying to find her like over and over and over again and follows her to this remote land um and the world is like becoming slowly encased in ice and snow um or is it i don't know it's it's, it's really hard to follow but it makes a lot of sense if you think about it in terms of like addiction and her trying to explain that but the reason it's probably science fiction is that it seems like the story takes place in a dystopian future in which there's some sort of weather event happening and there's also like an authoritarian government and war between different government entities so it feels kind of science fictiony but it has this like stream of consciousness to it to where you're sort of like the main character is an unreliable narrator and you're not sure what's happening and what's not happening. And uh, yeah, and thinking about it as this um, allegory for him struggling with addiction or maybe even her struggling with addiction. Maybe since he's like pursuing her, she could be the one who's struggling with addiction. It's kind of hard to explain, but yes, I'm reading it and I am actually pretty into it uh, and we'll probably finish this one. Nice. What about you, Gabby? Um, so I just finished Six Angry Girls by Adrian Kisner. Um, it's a young adult contemporary um, that follows the trials and tribulations of these two young ladies who have their entire lives sort of upended in their senior year of high school. And they come together to form a mock trial club at their high school to rival the all boys mock trial uh, club. And it involves a lot of activism and a lot of knitting. Um, I learned that yarn bombing is a thing, is a real activism thing, which is delightful. Um, I don't know how to knit, but if I did, I would absolutely participate. I would, if you recommend books to teenagers, uh, especially feminist teenagers, definitely put it in their hands. I think they'll eat it up. Um, the author did a fantastic job with a diverse cast both in terms of ethnicity and sexuality. Uh, you have two prominent asexual characters who uh, you get to discover their relationship, um, walk with them, um, which was done really well. Uh, you don't see a lot of asexual representation. And so I really appreciated that. Yeah, uh, it was a little light on the actual like mock trial part for me, um, but again, very good on the relationship and character development, uh, really enjoyable. Um, I've also been reading a lot of fan fiction, um, so I haven't started anything new <laughs> book-wise other than the true crime that I have going on for this podcast. So yeah, uh, Six Angry Girls and fan fiction. <laughs> nice. I wish we could get um, 
we could count fan fiction into like the book counts for a year right i feel like we should yeah um i i just started this morning sorry this afternoon the new jim crow mass incarceration in the age of color blindness by michelle alexander it is for um a feminist book club that i am a part of and we're meeting next month so hint hint i'm sorry next week so hint hint gabby hopefully you read it (laughs) i say i i know i need to be starting that one next so i haven't checked out so i have it (laughs) um but it is about kind of what this says in the title of the book about uh, mass incarceration and how that it mostly affects black people and other black and brown people and how it's turned into kind of like the new Jim Crow how because um after you've been in prison or on parole you don't have as as many of equal rights you you know in some states you can't you can't vote it's hard to find jobs um, lots of different things. And so Michelle Alexander was a lawyer and she um, really explores it and how there's still kind of a racial cast in our system. And this book's a little bit older. It came out in I think 2010 or 2012. So I'd love to get like an updated version of it. Um, but it's really good. It's nonfiction. It's called The New Jim Crow. So that was Ice by Anna Cavan. Six Angry Girls by Adrian Kisner. And The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Now it's time for murder. Murder. <laughs> murder. <laughs> so first I wanted to bring up, I was reading a couple of like articles and stuff on Medium or whatever about uh, true crime being very white and especially white women. Um, who like to uh, consume uh, true crime and who most of true crime is written about. White women are statistically not the most likely to be murdered or, you know, go missing or have something terrible like that happen to them, but they are the most talked about and the most publicized and often um, the the cases that the police take the most seriously wanted to acknowledge that and and say that up up at the front of this I kind of tried since I uh, admitted before we started recording that I am not a huge fan of this genre because it gets too real for me like I don't I don't enjoy reading about women who are being murdered like like to me that just like freaks me out Um, so this is not like a genre I don't listen to I I think I did listen to serial and that's pretty much the only thing that I consumed true crime wise. Uh, so I, I had to do some digging and basically read some books for this uh, challenge. Yeah. Not all true crime is about murder. So you might be interested in some other types of true crime. And that's the same for everybody who's listening. There's like, if it has to do with a, anything that's kind of criminal, um, you could consider it a true crime book. That is a good point. What's the, isn't, who's that? Uh... That person who <laughs> this is like really big. reference question and you're a patron. What's that book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is totally gonna be just like that. So you're you're both library staff, so you should be able to help with this. So I think it's DB Cooper. Is that the person uh-huh. who yes. went missing? It, the name the came airplane. to me as I was stuttering trying to figure out what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah the, the guy who jumped out of an airplane. 
Yeah, that's um, another good one that we could have named as uh, we want the answer to. Case, yeah. 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 Um. So yeah. So like stuff like that, I find kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. There, I think it's called the Feather Thief. I've not read it. It's on my to reads, and I'm thinking I might read it with my book club that I do at for work. Um, and it's a true crime book about um a heist basically how there are um some feathers and stuff stolen from a the british museum of natural history and apparently it's a really really good book um yeah see i could i could fucks with that i could read about (laughs) heists getting the gang together what did you say i said i I could fucks with that i love it I heard you say, I wasn't sure if you said fucks or flex. <laughs> flex with that. Either way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the like, just that trope of like the getting the gang together and mm-hmm. going over the plan. They're spreading out the blueprints. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh, speaking of heist things, um, Shadow and Bone is coming out on Netflix tomorrow. And if you've not read Shadow and Bone. Or that involves a heist? Could, oh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> okay, you need to read like the Six of Crows and stuff. But anyways, um, the Grishaverse books, that's what the, the, it's just the first series is out tomorrow. And I was lucky enough to be able to watch it early. So good. I will be honest and upfront here. I have not read all of the Grishaverse books. So I don't know how accurate they are to following other books. I'm sure hardcore fans are going to be upset about some things because I am that way when I see adaptations of books. It was so good. I'm already wanting season two. It's so good. But okay. heist, if you both like heists, watch it. And it's fantasy world. Ooh. Say, I fucking love a good heist. <laughs> yeah. So. Dude, oh my god. It's kind of bumming me out. I, sh- I wish I could have, uh, when I was doing my true crime research, I, I didn't think to look for heist things, mm-hmm. <laughs> heist related things. Although the thing, the two of the three books that I picked are not murders. Murder. Murder. So, murder. Not murders. Um, so the first book on my list was uh, The Black Klansman by Ron Stallworth. It's a memoir that was turned into a film, a Spike Lee joint. I have not seen the movie, but I did read the book. Uh, well, I listened to the audiobook, which is read by the author. And it was a short book. And I think my only like sort of criticism of it was like, it sort of felt like there wasn't a resolution, but you know, that's, it's a memoir. It's nonfiction. That's how life goes. You know, it doesn't always have like a nice tidy ending in which a bad guy was caught and thrown in jail or anything like that. But I found the book uh, to be a, a joy to listen to because the author who was reading it clearly, you know, remembered this time fondly as like something that he was able to accomplish during his time in his career uh, working for the police force that he was working for, which I can't remember now where he worked. Um, I feel like it was in Colorado. Was it Colorado Springs? Yeah, I think it was. So yeah, so the story is basically a a black cop going undercover as a Klansman to try and uh, thwart the plans of the Ku Klux Klan. Um, and he did this by sending in a letter um, requesting like membership, I guess, to the Klan because he saw an ad in the newspaper, I think. Um, and he got a response back and spoke to people over the phone and 
Um, he didn't expect it to work and he accidentally used his real name, <laughs> which is kind of a no-no for this sort of thing. But luckily the clan is stupid and uh, <laughs> did not like look him up or realize that there was a police officer with the same name or anything like that. He was able to fool them by talking to them over the phone and having one of his um, co-workers, white co-workers, be his in-person kind of person. Uh, so that was kind of fascinating to read about how, I mean, they were able to prevent uh, several clan gatherings and cross burnings and things like that. Um, but it's also kind of hard to know what else they were able to prevent because, you know, they prevented it. Um, but yeah, basically the clan would just be like, wow, why are the police always showing up to our things that we have going on? Like they just didn't really put it together. Um, but yeah, and also one of my favorite parts uh, was when Ron was on the phone with David Duke, I think, or, or one of the other uh, clans, uh, upper echelon clansmen, uh, was, was giving him tips for how to tell when you're talking to a black person on the phone. Uh, when this Klansman is talking to a black person on the phone and doesn't realize. <laughs> it's just very amusing. Um, it was definitely interesting to read about his experience. So I would recommend that one. Um, I also read really recently The 57 Bus by uh, Dashka Slater. And it is a YA nonfiction book about two teens who were on the 57 bus. They were both, I think, on their way home from school, um, but they went to different schools. And one of the teens was black and one of the teens was white. And the white teen was also like gender non-conforming. Um, so they used they, them pronouns, I think. Uh, they were wearing a skirt uh, that day on the bus. And um, the, the black teen, just sort of in a moment of poor decision, uh, lit that teen's skirt, on, the other teen's skirt on fire. And so it, it sort of resulted in, you know, that teen catching fire and having to go to the hospital and having a lot of surgery done. Um, luckily that teen survived, but um, the black teen who set uh, the other teen on fire ended up having this lengthy trial and going to jail for I think that, uh, he was sentenced for seven years, but it was reduced to five years. You know, after the fact, the family of the the other teen who, you know, was caught on fire and all that stuff was just like, kind of said that they wished that they had been paying more attention to the teen's trial and stuff because they felt like that sentence was harsh. So yeah, I mean, it's just interesting to read. I feel like the author does a good job of um, kind of being sensitive to the subjects. But yeah, I did read one review that was just saying that because they didn't talk directly to the um, to the black teen, but they did talk to a lot of his friends and family, but it just, it said like, it would have been better to have more of that perspective in the book. Um, so take that with what you will. Other reviewers said that they thought it had a good perspective on both sides. So take that information with what you will. It was, it was an interesting story. I'd never heard of it before, but apparently it was a really big news story at the time that it had happened. The last book I wanna recommend that I just started reading today, 
So Highway of Tears, a true story of racism, indifference, and the pursuit of injustice for missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. And it's about Highway 16 in uh, British Columbia, Canada, and how that stretch of road is pretty rural and isolated. And uh, that like a very unsettling number of native and indigenous girls have gone missing and or been discovered murdered along that route um, over the years. And I think in all of Canada, the like tally of like missing and indigenous girls at this time that this book was written, I think the tally was like 1,200 uh, missing, wow. possibly more though, um, is like a really big deal. And it's, it's like this sort of glaring hole since they're, you know, like one little white girl gets murdered and we're still like obsessed with figuring out who did it, why, and, and all this stuff. And literally over a thousand like native and indigenous women and girls have gone missing. And in, you know, just in Canada alone, um, I, I'm sure that the numbers for the U and I couldn't find anything on the numbers for the US, which was like also concerning. Yeah. Um, like there just aren't books being written about this. There aren't, you know, true crime podcasts being done to like delve into these that I could find. You know, this was the only book that um, was published by a major publisher that I could find. There were a few others that uh, our library just didn't own because I think the publisher was like not as big of a publisher as this one. But um, yeah, it just seems like a, a glaring hole in the true crime complex, if you will, like put some of that energy towards finding out who's doing this. Uh, I, I know that um, some, there, I think there is some new podcasts that are coming out that are touching on that in particular, but you're right. A lot of true crime podcasts when they're doing just episodes, each episode's different. Majority of them are about white people. Some podcasters will do, um, or at least they'll try, I think they're trying to do cases of different, you know, women missing or just, and men too, uh, people who are non-binary. Um, one of my favorites is Crime Junkie. Um, they do, it's two girls and they do a pretty good job of being very vocal about how the missing indigenous women of Canada and lots of uh, the like you know sex workers being mm -hmm. murdered and missing um all over the the U.S. Canada the world but yeah I just I appreciate uh this Highway of Tears book because it does it it sort of calls out like the the author used to live in the town where a lot of the girls went missing and um after she was like a reporter abroad um focusing on different topics she came back to her small town to try and, and i think the author is white um but she uh, was like i remember when i was a kid and i saw this missing flyer and whatever happens to that case and she talked to the family and did some digging and you know i feel like it's treated really well in this book and that there's like a lot of you know there are like photos and you know like you know she wanted to grow up to be a fashion designer and just like stuff like that that we give to other people when we're profiling them but that sometimes is missed for non-white people yeah that one's on my to tbr so i'm glad that you brought that one up 
And I'm glad that you liked it because I want to read it. Yeah, so those are my three. Gabby, do you want to go next or do you want me to go next? Um, I'll go. <laughs> so I am a true crime virgin. It has not ever been a genre I've delved into. I've only recently started listening to a podcast called Lagim, um, which is about Philip, uh, true crime in the Philippines. Uh, yeah, I hadn't ever read a true crime novel. It just wasn't my shtick. So I decided to start with um, what is considered the original or sort of quintessential, at least American true crime novel or book, which is In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. Is it Capote or Capote? I think it's Capote. Capote? Okay. It's good. Let me start there. It's good. Um, but also there's a reason I'm not in the genre. <laughs> I wanted to also say that book, there's some problematic things about that book because it he becomes almost a little bit too understanding with one of the murderers. Um, and he be- builds a relationship, supposedly. Like that was a big thing okay. that came out at that time. And so some people are like, hey, this is not okay. But I wanted to add that in. (laughs) Well, thank you for, yeah, I was, yeah. (laughs) Too close, Truman, a little too close. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I started reading this. I was house sitting for for one of my moms. Um, (laughs) Yes, I have two moms. No, it's not like that. Um, It would be fine (laughs) if it was. It would be fine (laughs) if it was. It's not. I just don't want to put any false, like, expectations out there um anyway I was house sitting for for one of my moms and started this book and I was like uh nope mm-mm, gonna pause here so it is <laughs> it's about a murder that takes multiple a uh multiple murder invasion murder that takes place in the late 1950s uh these two criminals who met uh in prison got information um from another gentleman who was like, yeah, I know this rich farmer. He's got a safe full of cash, um, which was not true. Uh, and so these guys show up to rob this family, uh, execute for the, these four family members. Um, the, they find, I think it's 40 bucks in the house and take off to Mexico with their $40, uh, leaving uh, the slaughtered family behind them, the clutter family. So they run through their money, return to the States, and and they are caught. This is not an unsolved case. Um, so Capote does a really interesting job. It's a very uh, blended sort of narrative. Um, it reads almost like fiction, So which I thought was interesting. I was not expecting that, but I liked how that was done. Like I, like I said, it's good. It's very interesting, but very creepy if you're staying alone in a place you're familiar with at the time of reading (laughs) do not recommend that it's not anything I would ever pick up it's not going to be a reread for me um but glad to have read it yeah so I I actually will be interested to do a little bit more research I think on Truman Capote Mm -hmm. like he seems like he was a weird interesting individual Mm -hmm. um he he wrote breakfast at Tiffany's I did know that you know for something completely different (laughs) the next one I want to talk about is American Kingpin the epic hunt for the criminal mastermind behind the Silk Road and this is by Nick Bilton so the story of Ross Ulbricht came to my attention via a Instagram account 
that is usually known for being pretty factual, but in this case, they they sort they did a, a post series that sort of painted Ross as the victim, and I didn't feel I felt like that was weird, and so I went and did a little digging, and there is a book about him. Spoilers: He's not a victim. This young man <laughs> was a programmer and launched what was known at the time as the Silk Road. And this was an online sort of clearinghouse for pretty much any kind of drug you could want. And we're talking from your basic run of the mill, could also find this on the corner drug to very exotic, will probably kill you if you sniff at drugs, um, which is what happened. Somebody died and which, you know, surprise, no. And their family, a family member, you know, started to pursue this and things got real nasty real quick. Um, this young man wound up trying to hire assassins to take out people, um, including Wait, who, for who did the guy who built the Silk Road, the programmer, he? this 20. Wait, yeah, he tried to, I did not yeah, know that he part. Tried, yeah. Sorry. So he tried to hire an assassin who I believe was, uh, wound up being an undercover an undercover fed. I have, I'm not finished with this one. So I think he tried to double high, if I remember correctly, and I may be wrong, like I said, I'm not finished. There were assassins involved. Um, but if I remember correctly, it wound up, he tried to like double hire an assassin and one of them wound up being an undercover fed. So that didn't go well. And like, this was a huge, like he was making billions. This was not like a small corner you know, I'm making a couple hundred bucks a month. This kid was rolling in it. Um, and I say kid, like mid to late twenties. And just, he, he got in real deep. Uh, things went real sideways. Yeah, definitely not a victim. <laughs> and then my third one, I have not read yet, but it is on my two reads list. It's called, We Own This City, A True Story of Crime, Cops and Corruption in an American City. This is by Justin Fenton. And so this is about um, the 2015 Baltimore riots. Freddie Gray was a young man who, a young black man who died in police custody. I think if I, if I do continue to get like real into true crime, I'm definitely probably going to go down the avenue of police corruption. Mm -hmm. um, and for... <laughs> For all of those, you know, oh, it's one bad apple argument, bitch, no. Well, like the rest of the saying. Yeah, the rest of that saying is it spoils the bunch. Because, yeah, there's so many, there were so many I could have picked from about corruption in the ranks and, like, entire task force is, I don't know what just happened there, entire task forces um, which is the case in this story or in, in this, in this book, it, in Baltimore, they had, there was a task force called the gun trace task force, very decorated. Like these are supposed to be the sort of the, the dark nights, if you will, the officers that got into the nitty gritty, like dark heroes, all of this. And they were the ones like planting evidence and having people killed and erasing evidence and all of this spectacularly heinous activity 
and so this this author went back and put all of this together and obviously it all came out and all of that but and I was trying to remember I don't remember hearing anything about this and I don't know if that's because it was a regional thing like I was in Texas in 2015 and not anywhere near the east coast or if it just sort of got pushed under in a lot of like big media outlets because let's not let's not make the police look bad um like look if the police are killing people they're bad you don't have to make them look bad they already are spoilers um so I'm really interested to read this and like I said there were so many others as well that this is not uncommon mm-hmm. and it's not small scale yeah I think that the police corruption books are a good avenue to explore too because also that was another thing in one of the articles that I was reading was the police worship that happens a lot of the time in true crime of the just like featuring of the police being this like shining do no wrong kind of force and they're they're trying their hardest to solve these cold cases you know and the oftentimes the author or whatever is working very closely with the police to try and uncover evidence um i guess the true crime i'm (laughs) i at least consume is very much why are these cops being so incompetent <laughs> like <laughs> that's a lot of the well, stuff the first book on your list has a uh, a lot of working closely with cops who are just trying to do their best it's uh well, there's, it, it sort of fits neatly into that yeah. category there's no maligning of cops in that book so the first book i i have on my list is i'll be gone in the dark by michelle mcnamara and uh, this one was really popular a few years ago. It's about the Golden State Killer in California. And he was also known as the East Area Rapist and he had the other, uh, other few names and he was actually found. So this isn't a cold case anymore, but I read this book. Um, I think there's been a newer edition after he's been arrested, but I read it before that because of familial DNA. So he, the, 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 this asshole was caught and he is in prison. He's this old, gross white guy who was a cop at one point so michelle mcnamara if you're not familiar with her she was the wife of Patton oswalt she passed away suddenly um a few years ago so this book um was actually finished with the help of some like a she had a journalist friend who um was it helps with true crime things as well but she was obsessed with this serial killer and she spent a lot of time she had a true crime blog where she didn't just talk about this person but also several other cases Uh, but this was her real passion project I can't really it's been a few I read this book when it first came out so Amanda if you've read it more recently you might know better than me but I can't remember how much she talks about like working with the police on it or not in the book yeah I think it's more in the show um, because there's also an HBO special Um, which I watched bits and pieces of but uh, mostly uh, my husband was watching it and I was like I read the book and I don't really need to relive this (laughs) because it it really traumatized me Um, but yeah in the show they interview the cops they follow the cops around and they just you know talk about how much they loved Michelle (laughs) Mm because apparently everybody loved her and she was really sweet and awesome and amazing Um, there were a few cops who were just really set on 
finding out who this was too, you know, and, and like, even though they were retired at that point when she was working with them, they were doing their best to try and help her. And yeah. And I'm not saying every police is bad. I mean, there are crazy assholes in every career, but (laughs) we need police reform and we need to defund the police. And that means taking all, because if you look at almost every municipality, every city, they're getting a lot more money than the other departments in that city. They, by defunding, we should take some of that money and put it elsewhere. Let's put it into assistance with mental health. Let's put it into housing. Let's put it into food for people, these arts in the community, all these Mm -hmm. things. So whatever we're saying, these things about the police, we're not saying, Mm -hmm. you know, like some people have very extreme feelings about this, but like, I think in general, all three of us, this is yeah. what, where we land on that. Yeah. If I'm wrong, please correct me. And also just like, a, I think it was the Dallas police chief that was like, the police end up doing a lot of stuff that they don't need to be doing, like yeah. chasing stray dogs and issuing parking tickets and things like that. Like we could have that be not a part of the police yeah. department. Like does somebody with a gun really need to be doing traffic stops? Yeah. No? Like <laughs> what? Like yeah. what? Yeah. And constitutionally um the, the the police do not have to protect you they don't they they don't have to um come to your aid i know the whole protect and serve so people assume they're there to protect us constitutionally they do not have to so that's my police uh, reform soapbox <laughs> and i think i think it should be acknowledged too that like there's an inherent danger for uh good cops or cops of color Mm -hmm. um like and there are lots of stories of this too where they there are repercussions for them speaking out be it losing their job or getting beaten or killed themselves um so yeah there are definitely there are definitely police who try to do the right thing and who are definitely have the best interest of people at heart however like Brittany said, a lot of reform is, is needed when, when you can't go a week without someone getting murdered, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> but so I'll be gone in the dark. Um, if you're not familiar with the golden state killer, he was a monster or he is a monster. He's still alive. Um, and he started with breaking into people's homes he would stalk the houses, really get to know, you know, who lived in the house. He would watch and see like ways to be able to get in and out of houses quickly without being caught. And he would start with sexual assault and rape and it progressed into where he would murder people and he would basically kind of torture them. And um, he would, he wasn't afraid like if there was a couple in the house that did not stop him. Um, if the children were in the house that did not stop him and he he's an asshole um so it is disturbing so gabby i'm glad you did not read this one when you were by yourself oh yeah so there's this thing where it talks about how he was targeting homes with like sliding glass doors Mm -hmm. and we have two in our house (laughs) so like every night i'm like double checking that they're locked and i'm like pulling on it and like closing the blinds and like do I have a bookcase I can throw up against it? Like how do yeah. I <laughs> wind chimes attached to yeah. the door if it's opening? Yeah. And um yeah, 
he would watch and like he would find houses that um had like shrubbery and things where he could stay hidden in the dark and he would come in with not wearing pants like he was just ready to go yeah he he, he <laughs> Gabby's face y'all can't see Gabby's face but it is amazing <laughs> yeah like yeah. if I'm gonna get murdered I would really appreciate it if, if you were wearing, wearing pants, pants. I just... <laughs> well the reason he would do that is because it's faster Imagine. yeah yeah and um I could talk a lot about that case in him as a person so um we don't we're already probably running over time so I will move on to the next book <laughs> the devil in this white city by Eric Larson this one was also a bestseller a few years ago if you've never read anything by Eric Larson he writes a lot of historical nonfiction books and he's really good at like narrative nonfiction. so um when you're reading it it's not dry it's not slow it feels kind of sometimes like you're reading a fiction novel um and the devil in the white city was set in chicago in the 1800s during um the world's fair and at that time there was a crazy madman named h.h holmes who created a murder hotel he knew that people would be coming to the world's fair and so he's like oh well these tourists or he'll have women that were coming for work and he would murder them for money and he would also, I think he murdered a few men, but it was mostly women. It's fascinating, the whole book is, because it's, he, um, Eric Larson really goes into the creation of the World's Fair, um, the people at that time, like, there was just such a disparity of, like, the wealth and the people who were struggling. I really love historical nonfiction and historical fiction, so it was right up my alley with both the true crime and history. Um and if you've been to Chicago, it was really fascinating to just kind of, I've been a few times, so I was like kind of like walking around in my mental map, thinking about where all these things were. Supposedly, they're going to turn it into a movie, but yeah. I have a clarifying question. Yeah. You said he would murder for money. So he uh -huh. would murder them to take their money or people uh -huh. would hire him to murder other people? Interesting fact. He would murder to take their money. Um, and then there was a few people who it was like insurance type of thing where he would lie and get that, but he would also sell the bodies because at that time, the doctor, oh, yeah. um, they really wanted to learn more about, um, autopsies, the human body. And so doctors and hospitals would pay people for bodies and they weren't always asking where the bodies came from. So there were some places where people would dig up recent graves some people murdered people. Um, the book is fascinating. I think you would like it, but he's messed up. <laughs> he was very messed up. Um, he was caught. Um, not because of this, surprisingly enough. He went to, I think he went to Texas at one point. He, he was caught for something else, and then this came out during the trial. But yeah. So the next one is The Midnight Assassin, Panic, Scandal, and the Hunt for America's First Serial Killer by Skip Hollinsworth. It's another um, historical nonfiction meets true crime. Um, so this was before Jack the Ripper, but this person was in Austin, Texas back before, I mean, it was kind of slowly becoming a city, nothing like it is now. It was in the late 1800s and there was somebody they still don't know who it is so it was left kind of being like oh this is bothering me I just want to know who it is by the end of the book who at first was killing black women black servant women who were living in the backs of the um, houses of the people who who they were employers, employers. yeah yeah this is after um, the civil war but it's the south and there's 
it was racist. The book does, um, it talks about the racism of that time. And at first there were several black women that were murdered. And I think there was one black man, but they were all servants and they were black. So the white people of Austin, they were kind of freaked out, but they didn't really care until one night. It was like a Christmas Eve night. Um, two white women were murdered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the whole, the place went crazy. Because like you were saying, Amanda, people really only care when it's white women, you know? Especially and, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's an interesting look at that. And, um, but after the two women, the white women were killed, the murders stopped. They don't know if he left, if that person left Austin. They um, don't know if maybe uh, some people is thinking that it's Jack the Ripper because it was not long after this that the Jack the Ripper murders murders started happening in London. Yeah. So oh, weird. So yeah, you just like hopped across the pond to murder more people. <laughs> some people think that. I don't know if that's true, but uh, that's a theory that's out there. And Skip Hollinsworth, if you are a true crime fan, is really well known um, for writing true crime, especially for Texas Monthly magazine, which if you've not, even if you don't live in Texas, be sure to check out the Texas Monthly magazine. It's great true crime articles in it. He does a good job. He talks about how he spent years um, on this case. And there's not a lot known about it because it was mostly Black women that were murdered. And a lot of people were assuming that it was a Black man or Black uh, a gang of black men that were going crazy and doing this um but yeah so that's the midnight assassin panic scandal and the hunt for america's first serial killer by skip hollinsworth and those are the three that i'm giving for recommendations uh we have reached the end of our podcast and this is where we do our one star goodreads review we are going to circle back to one of the titles uh that gabby talked about and do the one star goodreads review for in cold blood by truman capote so julian maynell back in january of 2020 had a very long rant of a review about this, but I just loved how they ended their review. So I'm going to read the last like three sentences. Capote is a liar. I did something with this book that I have never done before. When I finished it, I stood up and threw it directly into the trash. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'll be honest. At first, I thought you were going to read a Lauren Huff one-star review. (laughs) You know, I didn't. I feel like that would have almost been cheating. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Maybe if I could have found one from before her. Yeah. let us know what you will be reading for uh, the true crime prompt find us on an instagram and twitter at ask us pod 